Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Dave. What's up? Tori. Hello, Internet. And Craig. Hey. So we always start with good thing. Would anyone like to go first this week? You know what? I'm going to go. Uh, so I found out something. I, I found, re-found something recently. So there was a game, mm. and this, this is only going to apply to me, because I'm sure none of you guys even heard of this before. Um, Link to the past. <laughs> please. There was a game I played back in, in the 90s, um, to the, into the 2000s. It was one of the first online games I played and is called The Realm Online. It's, it's, it's a, it's a graphical mud. I mean, it doesn't, ha- it's not text based. It actually has graphics, but it's, it's basically plays like any other mud of the time. Um, now this is pre EverQuest. Yeah, this, this is an old game. Well, it sort of like fell apart because, you know, people went to EverQuest and World of Warcraft and things happened. Available um, exits are Northwest, South, and Dennis. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so it sort of, it didn't really disappear. It continued and, you know, companies bought it out and stuff, but it, it continued to exist and still charge a six dollar monthly fee or something like that so there were people who played it and from what i heard some fan was the one who got a hold of it and was essentially owned it but regardless within the past year it was bought out by someone else who decided to make it free to play it still exists and it is free so So, you went not dennis i did not i went i made an account created my old characters and I'm back. And you could actually, they have the old servers as well. That part costs money. It has cosmetic things that you could buy. Uh, so they have a free-to-play type mechanic to, to make their money. But, um, yeah, the game is free-to-play. And if you like that old-school type feel, then I highly recommend it. Like, I've been playing it a whole bunch. And I'm like, this, this is weird. I'm, this is like, I played this 20 years ago. And here I am playing it again. I did not think I would play it again. So, uh, yeah. Also, a secondary shout out. Skyward was really good. Probably my favorite non-Cosmere Sanderson novel. Nice. I have my copy sitting on the dining room table. I should read it. You should, because I want to talk about it. Skyward. Brandon Sanderson. All right, Dave, why don't you go next? Chalk Zone. Uh, okay. My good thing this week, it was going to be something, it was going to be something else, and then I found out about something yesterday. It is a new randomizer for one of, uh, one of my all-time favorite games as a kid. The game is called Crystalis. It's like Zelda, but imagine Zelda, but with RPG elements that are done much better than Zelda 2. Not that it's awful in Zelda 2, but with RPG elements like leveling up, buying stuff from shop. Uh, you have four different elemental swords. The sword beams are awesome, and you don't have to have full health to use sword beams. 
and it's like magic. It's really good. But there's a new <laughs> randomizer coming out, yes. and uh, yeah, really uh, one of those hidden gems. It's a shame that it didn't really catch on, but it's a fantastic game. Uh, I would maybe even say it's a better Zelda clone than Star Tropics. Uh, it's at least, yeah, I would say it's better as a Zelda clone than Star Tropics. No, it's better than Tropics. So good. My good thing this week is Crystalis Randomizer. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, by the time this recording hits the shelf, it will almost certainly be out. Uh, there's a big execution, big, uh, I'm sorry, exhibition <laughs> race uh, that will take place about a week after the time of this recording. So, uh, The big execution yeah, was in the last book, Dave. <laughs> well, there was a big uh, deposition in this one so far. Ooh, spoiler. Good. All right, Tori, what's your good thing? I found this scary podcast. Maybe it's not scary to other people, but I am a coward. I don't know if I've mentioned that on, on the podcast before. But so I started listening to the Magnus Archives. And it's basically a monster of the week kind of podcast, uh, except that there are these big overarching themes and recurring characters. Uh, anyway, the premise is that there's a place called the Magnus Institute, and they do scholarly research of supernatural creepy stuff. And something happened to their head archivist. We don't know what. Um, well, probably in the later episodes I haven't got to yet, they have figured it out. But anyway, at the at the point where I am, they don't know what happened to the last archivist. And this new guy is taking over and his name is Jonathan. And his predecessor was not tech savvy and was not a really good archivist. Like her filing system was kind of wonky. And so he's trying to get this archive organized. And one of the things he's trying to do is digitize everything. So Basically, every episode is just him grabbing a report and reading it into a recorder so that he has a digital version of this report. And so it's all, you know, statement of so-and-so given on such a day regarding the incident that happened, blah, 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 uh, recorded by Jonathan Sims, head archivist of the Magnus Archive. Statement begins, and then he starts reading it. And... So it's a scary story, and I'm really entertained by it, but there's some creepy stuff in there. If you can't handle creepy stuff, maybe don't do not do it. Neat. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so my good thing this week is a continuation of what I've been talking about for a couple weeks now, which is siblings who make stuff that I enjoy. Uh, this week we're gonna do a sort of yeah. shotgun style scatter blast of just naming some names of, of <sighs> folks who regularly work with their siblings. Uh, so we've got Clint Howard, Ron Howard's extremely unfortunate looking brother. Uh, we got Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray's brother, who is in most of the things that Bill Murray is in, and quite a few things that Bill Murray isn't in. And, like, he's instantly recognizable, but I didn't know for years that, like, they were related. 
He's the mayor in uh, Groundhog Day. He's many other people in many other things. I can't really think of any of his other specific roles. Like, I know he was in Ghostbusters. Um, anyway, yeah. Brian Doyle Murray is great. Uh, we got... This is so weird. I gotta look this up. Uh, we got Ted Raimi, who is Sam Raimi's brother, and makes usually some sort of minor appearance in, in Sam's stuff. Uh, if you watch Xena, he was Joxer. Uh, he was also in the the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I don't even remember what he played. He just sort of showed up and was Sam Raimi's brother. Uh, we got Sean Gunn, who is James Gunn's brother, and appears in both Guardians of the Galaxy films uh, as Kraglin. Yeah, Kraglin. Um, and then finally, we have John and Joan Cusack, uh, who are brother and sister in real life, and actually don't work together very often, uh, but one of the times that they John did... There are so many movies together. Eh, not as often as maybe you're thinking. But my, my personal favorite... more often when they were younger. Yeah, it, like, if it's a John Cusack movie, Joan's probably in it, but Joan's in a lot of stuff that John's not. Anyway. <laughs> one where they're together that I really, really enjoy, one of my favorite movies of all time, is Gross Point Blank, which was actually John Cusack's directorial debut. And if you haven't seen it, it's amazing. A uh, professional assassin goes to his high school reunion. It's great. So that's my good thing for this week. Uh, Dave, would you like to tell us about the chapters we read this week? Yeah, sure thing. So this re week we read chapters 24 through 27, finishing up part two of uh, the Cosmere book known as The Will of Ascension. And I'm not shuffling around looking for my notes right now. I have them right in front of me. Okay, so chapter 24. I only wrote down a couple of bullet points here. Been here stumping. So did Elendi. Zane shows up and acts all emo. Uh, that's basically it. I'm, I'm growing to dislike this character. I think, uh, like when he was mysterious, when he was mysterious, it was cool. But now that he's like, I'm so mysterious, I don't like him anymore. Uh, you, you like him when he's mysterious, not when he tells us he's mysterious. Exactly when he's when he's all like, oh, dude, using us. I I don't know who I am unless I'm with Vin. Uh, it's so so. I have this like, you know, obviously uh, with Ellen right now, and I don't know if other people at this point in the book would ship Vin with other characters. Uh, Zane would be a possible one, and like if Zane and Vin end up uh, end up getting romantically involved, I'm gonna punch my book. Uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> She wait, 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 wait. So, so you're saying you ship Vin with Ellen? Absolutely, ship Vin with Ellen. Uh, I, I could see there being kind of like way down the line, maybe you know, Vin and Spook maybe getting together, and I won't be mad about that. But I really love Valellant; like, it's so good. And even you know, throughout these chapters, my 
desire for Vin and Ellen to finally get married and live happily ever after or whateverly ever after you do in on Scatriel. Uh, my the as I'm reading these chapters, I've my decision that that's what I want is fortified. So okay. anyway, real quick again, yeah. repeat the name of this <laughs> ship, please. What did you call it? Vellaland. <laughs> I didn't even realize he said that. Thanks for catching that. You could have called it Elvin. I don't know, Elvin. <laughs> I guess that's I guess that's okay. But uh I mean I came up with Vellelind when Vin was acting as Lady Vellet and I thought Vellelind just sounded really really yeah. lovely. I like that name. Vellelind. Vaguely French like the rest of the story. <laughs> Vaguely French ship name. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, also Vin is has been hearing this thumping in the mist and Really curious about what that is, and finds out that Elendi also was. Actually, I'm not sure that they actually know Elendi's name, but we know his name because of the uh, steel etchings, metal, whatever the etchings that Sazed has copied, and is on his way to uh, copy some more. All right, what did you guys think of Chapter Twenty Four? It is pretty good. You didn't read it. I did, though. Just a while ago. You gotta read faster, man. You're so slow. (laughs) Alright, chapter 25. So, uh, Tindwill wakes up Vin to go dress shopping. Alarianne and Spook join them. Vin notices Spook burning tin. Yay! Alarianne has breasts and smells nice. Aha! (laughs) Literally in the book, okay? I, I know, I know. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. Tindwell cornered Vin to talk about Mowage. I <laughs> wish to help you turn into whoever you are. Vin talks to Ska Crowd outside. After returning inside, warning drums go off. Gasp! The attack was just a warning shot to Ellen before the meeting. Gulp? Alright, so I, I'm quickly growing to love Tindwell here. She's she's harsh to Ellen and she, she knows what you know, when she has to be harsh to teach somebody, she knows when she has to be a little more uh patient and understanding like she is with Finn, but uh you know, she sees how happy Valeland is and you know, wants to wants to make both of them individually the best they can be, so that they can be the best couple they can be. And I think it's really cool. So, Tindwill, you know, help it brings Alarion along as well because Alarion knows uh, knows about the modern fashions and things. And you know, it's we kind of get to see a little bit of uh, Alarion's usefulness here. How he, you know, understands society, and you know, just because Alarion's area of expertise isn't sneaking around in survival skills that that doesn't mean that she doesn't have anything to offer to the team so there you go and uh and during this time vin notices that spook burns tin so it's uh, another uh person eliminated from the possible suspects of who the conjure spy is and i uh have a regrettable theory about that um oh get, get to that at the end because there is one other 
point. I, I, I was going in one direction, and then I, toward the end of chapter 27, I was a little suspicious of my thoughts, but still be. Anyways, so, okay, uh, Tin. What was that tin, pink thing? What was that pink thing? It, it was uh, picking out a dress for Vin. <laughs> That's exactly what the pink thing was doing. So while they are at the dressmaker's shop, some ska crowd in the gather realizing that the uh, air, Lady Air, is here. The uh, protege of the survivors, Atson. And she goes out and she talks to them and she's she's really queenly. She instills uh, confidence into her followers, uh, you know, and, you know, not showing... And not showing, you know, her fears, but also not just going straight out and lying to them. She believes that she and Ellen can be successful, and she passes on that confidence to her would-be subjects if she so chooses to be queen or some sort of leader. And that's one of the reasons that I really want Vin and Ellen to get together. They would just be a really awesome royal couple, you know, once once they both uh, grow into their roles. Okay, and. So yes, Vin gets <laughs> Spook is kind of checking out Alrion, and Vin is just ever so slightly jealous. Uh, yep, Tindwell has a talk with Vin, and you know, Tindwell assures Vin that she wants to help her to be the the best version of Vin. She's not trying to change who she is, but she's trying to help her transform into the person that she already is. Right, I don't know if that makes sense. It sounded a little, sounded a little like sophistry, but it would suffice. All right, so uh, as they go back inside to the dressmaker's shop, warning drums go off, so everybody books it on back to venture and the the walls, and I guess not keep venture the outer walls near the tin gate, maybe. Anyways, uh, draft venture has launched a small-scale attack on the city walls to get a little feel for how prepared they are. And guards get, you know, the army gets kind of shaken up. No one was really ready for this, but fortunately, it was just a warning shot. But uh, it, unfortunately, it was a warning shot. All right. Any thoughts on Chapter 25? Anything I missed? Born? Missed? Anything I missed, Born? No, I'm good. You got it. Okay. Alrighty, so chapter 26. Vin tries on her battle gown. Vin assumes Orsir's gender. Orsir has prehensile paws. Puppers will not go on the mission. Aw. Amp can't go either. Aw. No kissing. Bellellen flirt and discuss clothing and straps M.O. And uh, that's about the time they pull up to Straff Ventures Camp. And kind of second half of Chapter 26, Chapter 27 go together. So I'll just cover that in one big go after I cover these first bullet points. So uh, Vin has this awesome new dress, which uh, is really fitted out for a Mistborn so that she can maneuver and fight in it if necessary. Even has some hidden pockets to keep vials of metals and uh, puffy sleeves near the wrist so she can hide her obsidian daggers. And so, uh, Vin call, calls Orser. Orser is talking about how oh, he doesn't understand 
what's so great about wearing a dress? And Finn's like, well, that's because you're a boy, Kondra. And he's like, how do you know? Our gender are very hard to distinguish because we have fluid forms. And she's like, oh, I know. So, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe she is. But it is interesting to have confirmation that there is a such thing as Kondra gender, I suppose. That whole um, interaction reminds me a lot of uh, in Discworld, whenever the gender of dwarves is brought up. <laughs> I think they even made a joke about that in the Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, yes, the we the wife and I actually just watched the first two extended editions yesterday. Um, and yeah, there was the scene where Gimli is talking about how, you know, dwarven women are so alike to dwarven men in face and voice that, yeah. And then Aragorn, it's the beards. Yeah, that whole thing. <laughs> I haven't seen it since theaters. Okay, so uh, Ursur uh, apparently can hold a note between his little paw fingers. It's pretty useful skill. Didn't know that before. I don't know if it'll ever matter ever again, but I wrote it down. And uh, Vin tells Orsor that he cannot go on the mission in the Streff Ventures camp. And now we have a scene with uh, Ham seeing off Elend here, and they're about to get into Streff's carriage, and Ham is like, we should take our carriage. And Elend's like, no, we can't do that, because then I'll have to bring another person with me. And Ham is like, exactly, bring me. But no, Ham can't go either. They're going to go take Streff's carriage. And Ellen wants to make out, but Finn doesn't want to get her makeup messed up. But she's allowed to kiss him because Mistborn are more precise, including in kisses. So they they talk about how, you know, different they seem on the outside with their clothing. But, uh, you know, they, they are still going to be true to themselves. And then they talk about Straff and how... He always likes to be in control. He's afraid of being backstabbed and just reviewing information on how Streff operate so that they can kind of uh, figure out what they're going, doing. They had a plan going in, but of course nothing goes as planned in like this. So let's go ahead and see what happens. All right. So they get there. Man, he's and just on a roll. He's just crazy <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Ellen shows up and Streff is like, WTF, you actually showed up. You're dumber than I thought. And Streff starts totally threatening. What? That was totally a trap. What are you doing here? No. It's like, well, I didn't think you'd be stupid. Like, ah, I could have you killed any second now. And then they sit down and they have dinner and Streff shows off his uh, new mistress who's like, Who's like Bizarro Vin? <laughs> she looks. I think he's specifically who looked sort of like Vin was in his mind prettier and younger, and she's probably like useless, unlike Vin. Yeah, and you know, I already forgot her name. Vin at this point is like seventeen, I think. So yeah. younger than Vin is exceedingly creepy. Well, it does say that she's 15, or Ellen guesses her to be 15. Yeah. That's that's where I'm going with this. And, okay. And yeah. Dude is 
total creep. Like, oh, Straff is old enough. Straff is old enough to have like a a twenty three year old son. So yeah, does he? I mean, how old is Ellen? <laughs> yeah, Ellen is I like, mean, and it, they're definitely related. There's no question. Hmm. Okay, so Ellen is going forward with his plan to try to feign an alliance with Straff so that he can turn Straff and Set against each other. He's Dad, we gotta take care of Set. And Straff is like, nope, I'm just gonna mow over your town and kill you. And Ellen is like, Dad, you'll never stand up against Set. And he just keeps trying to push this idea and Straff's like, okay, ladies, get out of here. I want to talk to my son alone. And then he starts to corner Ellen, and he gets a little nervous. Then he, like, finally blows up and tells Dad how he really feels about him, how irresponsible he is, and how what a terrible leader he is, and how selfish he is. And then Straff's like, I'm going to kill you now. And then Ellen is like, Ellen finally, you know, gets it. Like, he, he, he has to... He can't. It, he, his original plan was to go in and act weak to make his father that he could manipulate him. Uh, but then he kind of turns the tables and decides to do some posturing of his own. And he's like, "Okay, you go ahead and kill me. But if you kill me, then Vin's gonna kill you." And Straff even kind of mentions that uh, he'll kill Ellen and take Vin and have his way with her and Ellen just like starts cracking up like yeah right <laughs> like that's like she'll let that happen and so uh, but anyway he starts threatening Traff and uh, with the help of Vin and oh this is also really cool as they were going into Straff's tent Vin starts pushing on his emotions and does so in an obvious way so that Straff can figure out that the Vin is pushing on him, so that he tells her to stop, and she acts like she's stopping, but then she continues to push on him very subtly when he lets his guard down for the interaction. And while he is arguing with Ellen, Vin is outside the tent, pushing on his emotions and playing along with what Ellen is saying, and at the last moment, burns Duralamin, burns bronze, and just completely splatters his doing splatters his emotions whatsoever so he's just kind of like totally blanked out probably really creepy to have happened to you in fact straff describes it as assuming that's what death feels like <laughs> and all in the meantime zane is outside the tent with vin and doing his little zane talk like why are you letting him manipulate you? Why are you the dagger? Like, and, you know, I wish you would shut up. And it is starting <laughs> to get to Vin. It is obviously getting to Vin, as we see toward the end of Chapter 7. But uh, at any rate, Draft actually bends and allows Ellen and Vin to leave freely. And also agrees not to charge Luthadel, because Ellen's basically threatens to sick Vin on him and kill all of his generals if he starts to move toward the city. And because of the whole the whole play going on here and the rumors regarding Vin, Straff, uh, Straff believes it. And we do get a part of chapter 27 from the perspective of Straff Venture. And he 
first of all, he mentioned his spy and in the information about how Ellen's changed, and then also is kind of dumbfounded about how Ellen's got so confident. So at this point, I'm what was I'm going to bring up before reading chapter twenty-seven. I had this crazy theory that maybe Tindwell was the conjured spy, and I specifically thought that because it seemed like there are heavy cues to point to the fact that she's not the conjured spy, and you know those, for example, are well, she's helping out Ellen and she's helping out Vin and my fair ladying them, but you know what? If she's a really good conjured spy, she would do that. We also even, uh, from the from the reader perspective, had some sections that were from Tindwell's perspective. But is she so engrossed in the role that even from her thought process, it it looks like she really is who she claims to be? And we even also had interaction between Sezed and Tindwell, and Sezed didn't have any suspicions about her whatsoever. So we have very good reason to believe that Tindwell is not the Chandra. So she's probably going to end up being the Chandra. So, so that is, is becoming your top pick or I don't know because this whole this this perspective from Straff in chapter 27 where he just doesn't understand how Ellen's got so confident completely throws that out the window now. But then it's even like we have even more reason to believe that it's not Tindwell now. So obviously it's going to be her um, by the by, this this whole like paranoia of like, well, this is this is a clue that points in the opposite direction. So that's clearly just misdirection, and that's actually a clue pointing toward this character being okay. That is exactly what it was like being a Wheel of Time fan back around the books like 8 through 11, five years in between releases, trying to figure out who the Forsaken are. Stuff. Just. And all I could think of was, and you just fell victim to one of the classic blunders. <laughs> Never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, we can't quote any more of that scene or else we'll get sued. Okay, that's the <laughs> second Princess Bride reference in this episode. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so... It also harkens back to uh, Elantris when, you know, this was Yada's plan all along. Go back and read the letter. And it harkens back to, oh, Marsh wasn't dead after all. That corpse they found where Marsh was supposed to be had his head crushed in. So, I don't know. I'm getting getting a little suspicious of... Uh, Brandon's overt use of misdirection, maybe, in a couple of fair. instances. He, so he did sort of like train you to be this way because of the last book. The last two, well, yeah, the last book being mis. Also a launchers, but it's a different series. So yeah, so I I'm not ruling Tindwell out, but there's just there's so much working against Tindwell being the conjure spy. It's hard to have her be my top pick, but. Like, no matter what clues we get that she's not the spy, I don't think I'm going to be convinced until uh, Vin burns some freaking Malatium and finds out who the spy is. Jeez. 
But we're not going to go all into that. <laughs> anyway, so Ellen um, and Vin. Yeah, we don't on. need to go into that because in Spoiler Town last week, we actually discussed it um, pretty pretty exhaustively. So Yeah, Dave, you should realize <laughs> I'm glad that. I gave you some material. <laughs> you always give us material. I'm not going to tell okay. you how we uh, how we uh, talked about it, but we right. did we did discuss it. Yeah, and you did mention something in Discord about how I put some thought into it or something. Or no, that was the that was the big Zane and El- and Ben or sisters or something. I don't remember. Man, that was a good theory. I need to go Zane back and listen to that. Zane is Ben's sister. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ellen and Vin return to Luthadel. Ellen's smiling ear to ear about how he actually manipulated his father, but Vin, uh, there seems to be something going on with Vin. She's not as jovial about this victory as Ellen thinks she should be, and Ellen figures, well, you probably just had a better idea that I didn't think of, and she doesn't want to poop on my party. Uh, whereas I think that we can assume... The issue is that Zane's words have gotten to her, and there's just so much like, oh, yeah, I totally told Straff that Vin would kick their butts, and that I would use Vin as a weapon to go and slaughter everybody, and that she was my assassin. Like, basically, uh, basically accentuating every concern (laughs) that Zane brought to Vin. Uh, and oh, when we get back, surprise letter, Doxon has delivered a signed by freaking everybody in the council letter that says Ellen is fired. End of part two. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yep. That's, that's, that's about right. All right. So you said that before you read chapter 27, you thought Tindwell was, was the most likely Condra spy. Was there anything in Chapter 27 to adjust that for you? Yes. The part from Straff's perspective where he's just kind of, he's, you know, he's sent off Ellen and Vin and he's just kind of dumbfounded, like, how did that kid get so suave? Like, Tyndall is his spy, then you'd think he would know that Tyndall's been giving him suave lessons. Okay, then who do you think it is now? Well, we learned that it's not Spook. You know what else I thought? Oh, man, this would be sick. What if the dog is the Chandra spy? Okay. So, like, yeah, and I, I I meant to go back and check out the timetable of when they found the skeleton and how long they had guessed it in there. Because what if they're actually the Chandra spy took the place of Orsir for taking over the bone? But then we do also have personal details from Orser and his relationship. With his time with Kelsey and everything. The spies are really good. I'm also wondering if Chandra can eat other Chandra, and if they do, do they get all the old bones? I actually don't even know if Chandra can revert back to an old form that they had uh, stopped using. I don't think there's any mention of it ever happening before. I'm wondering if Chandra can eat other Chandra, and if they do, does it taste like pudding? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're basically a gelatin, right? So It tastes yeah, like, like marshmallows, because yeah. they're curvies. 
that don't poop. Marsh tastes like marshmallow. <laughs> marsh isn't even dead. Tastes like snozzberries. <laughs> marsh, what is up with Marsh? Can't remember what happened after Cezid uh, left from the crater library. I don't remember what Marsh was planning on doing. After you had that something point. else you wanted to talk about too, Dave. There was something you mentioned at the end of like your chapter twenty-four that you'd like. I don't want to get into it yet. I'll get into it later. That was it. It was me suspecting oh. Tindwill. Okay. Because in sure chapter in chapters twenty four and twenty five, I was thinking, oh man, Tindwill would be so unobvious. But and it, the fact that there we even had a chapter from Tindwill's perspective, like I mean, the, that's how we ruled out Ellen. Uh, so it's only fair, right? Uh I'm pretty sure Ellen has been cleared. Legitimately by Vin as well. Don't remember. Well, it's definitely not Straff because she pushed on Straff's emotion. All right, real quick. Okay. Um, in another podcast that I listened to, uh, something was brought up that like a way to tell how well written a character is um, is to basically take them out of the book they're in. And plop them in like a separate situation. And if you know what they're going to do in that situation, then they are a well-written character that you understand. So, okay. I would I have a couple of scenarios, and oh, I would boy. like you to take uh to yeah to take a couple of the characters from from this book and see if you can figure out what they would do in these scenarios. So, okay. pick a character to start. Who who would Man. you like to to do first? Ham. Ham? And if I get it wrong, if if I get it wrong, that is no indictment against Brandon Sanderson. I probably just wasn't paying it. But I want to go with I'll start with Ham. I don't think there's no right or wrong answer. It's just the fact that can you imagine a situation? There, there's definitely wrong answers. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a thought experiment. Ham would go on a giant murder spree and eat the flesh. <laughs> what would Zane do? Yeah, that would be the wrong That's answer. what Zane would do. He would just mope all the time. <laughs> be like I'm too. Well, to be fair, I don't think Zane's a very well-written character yet. We'll still has. It's time to get it again. All right, so All right, we're starting ham, with yo, him. Ham. Uh, I yeah. would like you to walk me through him going on a grocery shopping trip. Modern day, <laughs> modern grocery store. He's he's just out shopping for. What's his wife's name? He would go onto a murder spree. <laughs> Well, uh, first of all, Ham would bring his own grocery bags because he will carry a ton of stuff. He's not coming out there with fewer than like 20 bags, and he's just going to carry them all at once. So he needs some nice sturdy bags. So he's bringing his own (laughs) bag. Okay. And he goes into the store, says hello to every single person that he meets. Absolutely. Especially the Especially the workers. And anybody that says hi back or gives them the time of day, he'll talk their ear off and try to talk philosophy. He'll be debating the merits of this cheese over that cheese. <laughs> Longest conversation yeah. ever with cashier. Yeah, I don't think he always talks philosophy. He just saves that for certain people. When he's well, just definitely breeze. But he's he's definitely outgoing and would talk to everybody and talk their ears off. He'll, he'll be, like, talking off the cashier's ear. Cashier's rolling his eyes. The guy behind him in line is tapping his foot. And 
Ham just kind of like looks at the guy, impatient guy behind him and smiles, invites him to join in the conversation. <laughs> He'll but, be standing in like the pasta aisle holding a jar of spaghetti sauce in each hand and stopping the next random person who walks by like, hey, let me ask you, <laughs> where do you think? <laughs> He'll be like, ketchup, ketchup. <laughs> he'll Can definitely swing by the booze aisle. The he'll, he'll, he'll definitely swing by the booze aisle to grab a, a nice bottle of wine for Breeze. Oh yeah, very thoughtful. All right, next scenario. And would you like to switch characters at this point, or do you want to stick with him? Uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go on the Breeze. We'll do Breeze. All right, uh, for Breeze. Uh, Febreze? <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> He's a crew member aboard the USS Enterprise. Uh, you can go original series oh or you can go next gosh. gen. Either one. I'm going no, next he's gen. Q. I'm going next gen. Uh, is he Q? I was thinking he was Diana. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I guess like on the surface. Uh, well, okay. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be the ship's counselor, but he would be the one, uh, you know, giving the social insight to Captain Picard. And guy. he would spend a lot of time on the holodeck. Uh, he'd probably be good friends with with uh, Reginald Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> they would probably trade programs. <laughs> um, <laughs> never mind. I'm not gonna into that. But yeah, he would. <laughs> I think he would have a position on the bridge where he tries. I wonder how how long ranged his soothing would be if he could actually manipulate the emotions of people over the uh the telescreen but then again we see plenty of that in the next gen series so i'm sure we can we can headcanon they just need some duralumin i'm seeing (laughs) we do see like we do see diana the empathic he'd be be her like he's he's she's at the computer Every now and then he's going to turn around and tell them they're all going to die. <laughs> and at the end of every mission, he turns to Picard and he tells him, there are five lights. <laughs> it's like, oh. we'll not let it go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. What else we got? All right, let's try. I don't want to pick like a main character because those are obviously more fleshed out. How about Spook? Spook? I was, it was one I was uh, mulling over. We'll do Spook. Sounds good. Okay. Well, I only had those two scenarios, so uh, Craig or Tori, if either of you want to come up with something real quick. All right. All right. Spook on his trip to an amusement park. Something. Go. Okay. Spook goes to an amusement park. And, of course, Spook is a tin-eye. So he is going to find all of the best rides as soon as he walks into the entrance. Doesn't need a map. I... <laughs> Doesn't even knowing... go to the info desk. And knowing Spook, he might even hit the water park first. Uh, you know, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he probably probably like to go on all the rides. Uh, I could see him eating some cotton candy. Uh, so we don't have quite as many details on Spook yet. But okay. Huh. I don't know. You can't help out, guys. 
Uh, I think. Oh, you know what? I would. Okay, here's what Spook would do. Spook would get on a roller coaster and flare his tin so that he can get the best feel of the wind in his face and the rumbling of the carriage. I mean, that's what tin's for, right? Yeah. Feel the wind. Fully immerse yourself in the experience. If we had taken Spook grocery shopping, uh, he would have gone to all of the, the. the free food sample things. Oh. <laughs> and then that. gotten a disguise and gone back. And then another <laughs> disguise and then gone back. No, that's what Wayne would do. That's no, I mean, that's also well. what Wayne would do, but Spook is a disguisey guy. So so that's the question. Would Wayne and Spook get along? Oh, oh absolutely. Sure. Wayne gets along with everybody. Uh, Mike Myers, Wayne? Yes. No, you don't. Yeah, sure. Sure. Party on spook. Party on spook. Mike, I like how Mike I like how Mike just said yes. <laughs> yeah. Alright, Tori, you That's gotta come up with a situation. It's been forever since I've seen Wayne's World. I was like, I guess that might have been a scene in Wayne's World. It's I remember it being a scene in Family Guy, and then they turned out to be like three different people that looked like Peter, but Okay. Um, pick a character, and I'll throw a scenario. I want to think of a scenario. Okay. okay. Then the character in question is Sazed. Okay. Sazed just logs into Twitch and is looking for a stream to watch. What? <laughs> oh, he's no, definitely no, going to try to find a game that he's never watched before. He's um, a multi-Twitcher. He's be watching multiple <laughs> streams at once, <laughs> tapping his copper mine so he can look over it later. Alright, what he's what he's looking for is a speed run for a game he's never played before. And he wants something that's going to like explain what's going on. He's eventually going to get tired of uh of Twitch and switch over to YouTube to find VODs from a GDQ where the couch actually explains what's going on and how things work. <laughs> I have a question though. Which ferrochemical metal can you store up frames? Because if there is one, you would have a world record in everything. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a death here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, kill the animals. Four hours. Oh man! The metal is kill the animalsium. Kill the animalsium. We need that. It could be. Zebatite, right? And that's how you save frames. Wow. So, (laughs) we went slightly off topic into a dream world. No, I intended this. I I had notes and everything. (laughs) Oh, specifically with Zed going on Twitch. Well, not about that, but the... This is a note to myself for tomorrow's recording. Ask Dave about characters and other situations. Colon. Grocery shopping, comma, crew of the Enterprise, period. <laughs> that's true. He wrote that in the spoiler section. Well, that's so. fine. Okay. I've got a scenario that you guys can just throw random characters at. Are we ready? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Go. Board game night. Board that? game night. Board game night with Kelsier crew. All right. Who, who needs to be there, though? Kelsier oh, and Marsh have to be there. there. Like Kels- Kelsier is dead and all, but he he has to be there. And Marsh, Ham Don't interrupts the game of Monopoly 
uh, by going on a rant about um, economics. And, Why and are they Caesar playing Monopoly? Caesar pulls out an old, <laughs> unknown board game that like was lost to time, and he's going to bring it back. <laughs> and he's teaching them the rules. Spook <laughs> just wants to play King of Tokyo. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to play King of Tokyo? And Clubs uh, recounts. Club keeps to himself mostly, but in his mind recollects the glory days of when he was board game champion of Scadrial. Marsh just wants to play betrayal on on the house on the hill. No, Marsh was not the betrayer. We've been over this. Uh, he wants to play <laughs> betrayal. Vin doesn't want to play any of the games. She wants to sit in the corner. And he wants to read a book. Uh, whereas Breeze thought it was poker night, and he's trying to get everybody to put money into a game, and <laughs> they just aren't they just aren't going for it. Man, who wouldn't want to be at this game night? Vin. Uh, whereas Ellen completely misread the situation, thought it was supposed to be D and D, has a giant pile of 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 books and pre made like pre made character sheets for everybody. That's amazing. He has every scenario all planned out except for the one where. He Welcome to DMing. You cut out there, Tori. Except for the one where. Where he doesn't get to be the D. Doesn't get to be the D. I think she's trying to say DM, but her yeah. mic is acting out. What I'm saying. Let me reload again. Let you reload a what? Please. <laughs> type, type, type. DM. Yeah, he doesn't get to be the DM. Okay. Um. All right. So we're we're close to an hour now, and we haven't even gone into spoilers. Do we want to just skip it this week? I kind of want to just skip it this week. I'll skip why, it. Why don't we kick Dave off, talk it out, and then we can call it if that's it. Because Mike has to edit it, that's why. Yeah, bye Dave. <laughs> that's true, you have to do a, a little bumper and stuff. I mean, I'm fine, I, I don't really have anything to talk about. I have something you we can talk about. Alright, uh, Dave, go away, we'll do Tori's thing, we'll make it quick, and then my wife can go to bed. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Dave. Bye. And now here's where we listen to Dave talk. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. And we're Dave-free. Okay. What's your thing, Tori? Guys, what if the dog is the Contra? <laughs> that is outlandish and ridiculous, and I refuse to discuss it. I'm like, how do we get out of this situation? He's actually <laughs> thinking about it. We all just went quiet, like nobody said anything. <laughs> That's ridiculous, Dave. I mean, luckily, going quiet is kind of how we we deal with all of Dave's things, so... it's It's true, we... The best way to deal with it is just act the same. Unless it's something completely outlandish, in which case we can laugh at it, because we've done that. The only responses we've had to his theories are laugh or quietness. So we stuck with it. But we've done the quiet thing to, like, several bad ones, too. So there's that. Yeah.
So it's going to be really exciting when he finally finds out it is the Chandra, and he's going to be like, I told you so, guys. Or he's going to forget, but he's not one to forget. He might forget between now and then, but when it happens, he'll be all, I told you, I told you. Because he did the same thing in Elantris, where, like, he had a theory. I, th- I think it was about the, um, what's his face? The goober with the, the sidekick, who's not really a sidekick. I forget his name already. Um, so yeah, so, uh, he had that theory, but then he went a completely different path, which was wrong. But for a moment, he was right. And it's like the same thing is happening here with Kondra. I'm it just kind of hoping. Trilogy. Actually, you know what? I'm a little torn. I kind of hope he doesn't because it's more fun when he's wrong. But I sure. kind of also hope he does because that would be like this huge eureka moment for him. That like he goes back to the chapters just before we find out there's a Chandra spy. Where all of the clues that point to Orisur being eaten show up. Like, and rereads that looking for it. I mean, I, I tried to keep an eye out myself when I did the reread, and th- there's nothing that really stands out. There's a, there's a couple things, and we talked about it before. Like, there's the, the, the hints and the foreshadowing, but it's stuff you don't really pick up on to, until much later when you realize that he's Ten Soon and not Orseer. Well, and we discussed this at the time, but it's because he gives you all the clues, and then tells you that you need to start looking for clues. Right, yes, true. So So if if Dave goes back and reads those clues looking for them this time, then I think he's gonna, like, double down on this, you know, ten soon is puppy thing. So it's really gonna be based on what Dave decides to do. So, I will point out that the faster we end this episode, the faster he gets to playing Chrysalis, which means he'll forget to check this. Maybe. (laughs) Well, and I haven't been keeping track, but of all the characters that he has identified as maybe possibly being the Chandra, he was bound to be right eventually. <laughs> I mean, if you name every character in the book. I mean, he's certainly them's... trying that. He, he's certainly looking at every single named character and a couple of those in the background saying, is this the Chandra? Is this because and it, it helps that I guess it helps that we keep bringing it up and not like forgetting it. I mean, the book does too, but every week we're asking him, who do you think that Contra is? So he knows it's a big deal. Um, so he was earlier suspicious of Demu, and I think we haven't gotten to the point where Vin gets really, really suspicious of Demu yet. So I'm wondering if that's going to lead him down a false trail. It is coming soon. Or if he's we going to see to that as like, oh yeah, no, Brandon just loves misdirection. This clearly can't be it because Vin's thinking about it. <laughs> we just uh, have to keep bringing it up. I mean, there's Every some week. weird things that he, that the is doing, which is why like he's suspicious in the first place. I'm trying to find out which. Uh, so it looks like yeah, that's soon actually. It looks like yeah, chapter so. 33 is when Demo is being all weird. Although we do get the the Chandra reveal, like relatively early, like it's still toward the end, but it's it's like the very beginning of like the end, the avalanche, basically. What is the Chandra reveal? Um. Okay. So so just just real quick, it's chapter thirty six when there's that whole religious ceremony that Vin basically 
goes to. And then she starts to... So between chapters 33 and 36, that's when she's really being suspicious of them out. Um, let me try to find out when Tensoon pops up. Um, the reveal happens when Vin and Zane fight. Chapter 47. Which is, yeah, like, very early as far as the ending of this book goes. Yeah, we have 20 chapters to go for that, so that's like seven episodes of the podcast. But it is, that's in part four. Sorry. Is it part four? Yeah, it's, that's in, that's at the end of section, part four. There's like six parts to this book. So it's in the, it's, it ends the last two thirds of the book. So it's, it's not like at the end, but it's getting near the end when the reveal yeah, happens. That's in chapter 47, and there are 58 chapters plus an epilogue. So about 10 chapters from the end. So yeah, the, the basic events are Vin and Zane fight, um, the armies leave, the Koloss show up, the Koloss attack after the crew gets um, Ellen and Vin and... Um, Spook out of the city. Vin comes back. Vin learns how to take over Condra, not also Condra, um, Colas, and then Well of Ascension stuff. So there's a lot of ending to this book. There it. Well, that's what we're here for. Let's see what Dave thinks of it. So yeah, let's let's go ahead and call it here. Um, so adios, internet. Bye. Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.